uh, a series of, of messages that we're doing. We're called Bless to Be a Blessing. And uh, you don't have to be around here very long at all to know and understand that God has blessed us. That he's blessed us as a church, as the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. Uh, typically, this church is 115 years old this year we're celebrating. And uh, typically when a church uh, reaches 100 years old, you begin to see the decline of that church. And God has just continued to pour His blessings out upon this church. And if you're uh, around here for very uh, long at all, you will know that God has richly blessed us. And we saw last week that God wants us to take... Uh, he wants us to take the blessings that He's poured out on us and, and, and use us as an extension for those blessings to bless other people. And not only that, but something we learned last week is those blessings that He's given us, what He wants to do is multiply those blessings so that we can then be a blessing to others, blessing to those in our community, uh, a blessing to those all across the world where God might use us and see fit. And, and it's not just as the church. All right, it's not just as the church, but we also uh, made it more personal than that. When we asked ourselves this question last week, and it's going to kind of be the theme uh, all throughout this series, where has God blessed you, and what does He intend for you to do with that blessing? All right, where has God blessed you? We talk about all the time that we've been blessed. Well, what, you know, what does that mean? How has God blessed you and, and and what does he intend for you to do with that blessing that he's given you and so what we're doing in this series we're looking at the life of Abraham uh, one of the most important figures uh, in human history one of the most important figures uh, in our faith and, and our Christianity Abraham's considered to be the father of our faith and as you look at his life as you look at his story we see that Abraham was blessed why to be a blessing to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the entire world and all the future will be blessed because of Abraham's blessings and how they've been multiplied. And this series is not just about what God wants to do uh, uh, through us all right, in this community. It's not just about that, but what he wants to do in us. Right? What he wants to do in us as he deepens our trust in him and he deepens our faith in him and our commitment to the mission of God. Because folks, that's why you were created. That's why he brought you into this world, why you're living and breathing today. If you've got a heartbeat right now, it's he, because he gave it to you to fulfill his mission that he had for you. And his mission is that we would make disciples. We would represent uh, him and his grace. And so periodically on this journey, uh, I, I was thinking about this. Sometimes on our journey with Jesus, you know, we're just, we've got things on cruise control. It's easy for us as Christians to just put the whole thing on cruise control and just kind of go through the motions and do our things and enjoy our blessings. And sometimes it's almost like the Holy Spirit. And if you're in his word very much at all uh, and, and studying his word, sometimes it's almost like the Holy Spirit will, will almost just kind of give us a nudge. Right? Give us a nudge and say, you know, you, you need to pay attention to this. You need to, be, you need to be aware. You need to listen to what's going on. And as I was preparing this message, I, I felt like that the Holy Spirit was doing, you know, that, that very thing to, to you know, uh, help us kind of step back and catch our breath and look at what our priorities are and what the mission is that we've been called to do. I, I was thinking about how I used to do it with my boys when they were little. 
how I would get their attention. We got it in a lot of various ways. My mother's here this morning. She could get your attention with a fly swat. All right, some of you know nothing about that, and it shows. All right, uh, but you know, uh, there's there's various ways to get someone's attention. Uh, when the boys were little. Uh, if they weren't paying attention to me or they weren't listening, then I would just simply reach and grab me an ear. Uh, you look at their ear, their ears are all jacked up because I, I would take their ears and I would grab them and I would say, use these for listening or I'm going to use them for handles, all right? And, and so I would do something to get their attention and I wanted eye contact and I wanted them to know, I wanted to know that they understood exactly what was being said to them. Any of you ever been there? Well, sometimes, uh, and I believe in messages like this, sometimes that's what God's doing to us. He kind of like grabbing us by the ear or putting his hand on the shoulder and say, all right, li listen, make sure you get this. All right, D don't, don't miss this because you need to pay uh, close attention to this. And, and now my boys are 6'2", and I look up to them, and I ask them very nicely anything that I want them to do because uh, I'm afraid they might grab my ears now. Uh, but anyway, th this is what God does with us from time to time to help us understand the importance of what He wants to speak into our lives, what He, wanna speak, what he wants to speak into our families, what He wants to speak into our, our, our church. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. I mean, it was never a pleasant experience when mom or daddy was getting our attention, right? And so it's not always a comfortable place to be. Uh, I know uh, it's not for me, but that's good. That's good because sometimes we need to be a little uncomfortable uh, in, in our lives. Because God, God's will for our lives is this, that we would be living sacrifices. God's will for you is that you would be a living sacrifice. Now the problem with being a living sacrifice is we're still alive and we want to get up off the altar. Right? But we've been called to be living sacrifices. And so today as we continue to focus on the fact that we have been blessed to be a blessing, we're going to talk about establishing the right priorities in our lives. And I promise you it won't be comfortable. All right? But it is so important that we understand God must be our priority. His mission must be our priority. And we're going to see today uh, God put Abraham in a couple of situations where Abraham has to choose what is most important to him. All right, a couple of situations where Abraham's got to make a choice what is the most important thing for him. And the thing of it is, is Abraham is not having to choose between things that are good and things that are bad. All right, what we're going to see is Abraham is actually choosing between things that were both good. He's having to choose from a couple of good things and, and choose which of these good things are the most good, that's improper grammar, I'm going to get written up for that when I get home, but he's got to determine which one of these is the, the better and which one of these should be the priority and, and should come first. And we're also going to see that these subtle choices are going to have a huge impact on Abraham's life and how his life turns out in the future. And so we're going to pick up uh, Abraham's story this morning, Genesis chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 1. We're going to look at this entire chapter, okay? Uh, so just hang on. Uh, we'll be as quick as possible, but I want to begin at verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. God's Word says this. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot who was his nephew, all right, with him into the Negev. 
Now, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Verse 3 says, And he journeyed on, journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, but between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. All right, so he's been there before. This is a place he was been to uh, originally, and he built an altar there. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they couldn't dwell together and stay in the same place. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, for we're kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And so what Abraham does here is, is pretty unheard of if you really understand the context of this and what's going on here because in those days, the situation that they would find them in would basically, you know, one of two things would take place here. One of being there would be war declared between the two or the second would be Abraham just tell Lot he need to go somewhere else. Right? Because uh, especially since Abraham, don't miss this, was the older, he was the uncle. And, 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 you know, not only that, but he's the one who has actually received this promise from God that he was going to be the one that would be blessed. And, and Lot's just kind of tagging along. He's the nephew uh, along for the ride here. And so, you know, but Abraham defies the norm. You know, he does, they don't declare war. And, 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 you know, he doesn't do either of these things, which might have been expected of him. And he gives the lesser man in this situation, the better choice, okay? It would be like those of you who have older brothers or sisters, right? You, do you ever remember a time when they were generous to you? <laughs> right? I mean, there was like one brownie left in the pan, and your older brother or sister said, oh, it's because I love you so much, little brother, that I'm going to let you have the last brownie. And if they ever did that and said it that nicely, that brownie had axlax in it. So anyway, the way Abraham treats Lot here is really not normal. It wouldn't have been typical uh, behavior for the situation. Look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and Lot saw the Jordan Valley, and it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Verse 12, Abraham, then he settled in the land of Canaan. While Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, said, Abram, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Look northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give you and to your offspring forever. 
I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And so what we see here is, is this. It's a contrast between two different men and their priorities. It's two different sets of priorities. Two different ways of looking at the world. Uh, but both Lot and Abraham, they're ambitious men, right? And both made smart decisions based off the values that they held. The values that they really cared about. And Abraham's choices led to increased poverty, right? Uh, Prosperity and blessings and multiplication. And Lot's choices led him to destruction. Later we see that Abraham is going to have to rescue Lot twice out of Sodom. Once in the next chapter and then again over in chapter 18 just minutes before God destroys Sodom and, and the whole Jordan Valley. And this is where Lot loses all of his possessions and his wife is turned into a pillar of salt. All right, so now real quickly what I want to do is look at these two men and look at the values that they had and the priorities of each of these guys in our text today. And I want to look at Lot first, and here's what we see first. All right, Lot prioritized the riches that he could see. All right? He prioritized the riches that he, he could see. When Lot looked at the options, he made his choice based off one factor. Which direction can I go that would benefit me the most? Right? Which could I choose that would be the best for me, that would make me the wealthiest, that would put me in the greatest situation? You know? And, and there's no doubt about it. Financially, Lot made a great business decision. He did. He made a great business decision, and you can't argue with that. But in the process, don't miss this, in the process of making a really good financial decision, he shows total disregard for spiritual things. All right? I mean, Lot knew God, okay? He knew God. He had worshipped God. If Lot were here today, he would be at church, even on a, a rainy Sunday morning. Right? He, 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 was, he was walking the walk. He was talking the talk. But what we see here is this. We don't see him seeking God. We don't see him praying to God about the choices that he's got to make. Right? We never see him at an altar. We don't see him at a point where he's saying, God, you know, lead me, guide me, show me, help me. Right? We, we don't see that in his life. And so he makes his home where? Next to Sodom. He he makes his home next to Sodom, which was notorious for its wickedness and the things that that go on there. And he put his family, think about what he's done here. Made a great financial decision, but he has put his family in grave spiritual danger by doing that. Because Sodom was where all the money was at. That's where Lot took his family was into that situation. And and, and so you you see how these choices play out tragically in his family uh, in the future. Here in chapter 13, we see Lot move next to Sodom. In the next chapter, chapter 14, he's no longer next to Sodom, but we find him living in Sodom. Okay, And then by the time you get to chapter 19, not only is Lot in Sodom, but he is one of the most respected men... In the city of Sodom. 
He's one of the leaders. He's one of the people that is being looked up to in, in Sodom. And eventually when God tells him to, to get out, his wife is so in love with the material pros prosperity and the way of life and the country club mentality that they had there in, in Sodom that she can't leave it. And she turns around and God turns her into the first cowlick, right? Uh, a pillar of salt. Uh, Kevin McNabb came up to me after church this morning and he said, you know what would be an awesome idea? To market those, cow, those blocks that cows lick and call it Lot's wife. And he said, I'm sitting here thinking while you're preaching, I didn't hear anything else you said after this because I'm sitting here thinking, this is a great marketing thing. And he said, so I Googled it, you know, to see if anybody had done this yet. And he said, nobody has salt blocks out for cows that's called Lot's wife. And so he's going in the business. Uh, he, he don't have a clue what I preached after this point, but he's, uh, he's in the salt business. But think about it. She couldn't, she couldn't turn away from it. She got so caught up in it. She loved it so that she couldn't, she couldn't turn away from it. And, and don't misunderstand me here. Sometimes God does call his people to go into Sodom. He does. Right? The point is not that you shouldn't live in a place where there's sin because there's sin everywhere. Alright? The, the point is, is that Lot prioritized material things above the things of God. And don't miss this. There are some people here today that are in jobs that are terrible for your family. They're terrible for uh, uh, putting your family in a situation where you can serve and live for God, but it pays for a lifestyle that you've always wanted and you enjoy, and so you stay in it. Right? And I know parents who, whose kids are not really involved in the church and not really involved in the things of God because they're so committed to other things that the kids enjoy more, right? Or things that, that, that seem to be more important. And listen, I get it. I had kids. I know what it's like trying to make those decisions and trying to prioritize these things. They're involved in so many things. And like I said earlier, it's not that any of these things are bad things, right? It's not that we're having to make a decision between what's bad and good. They're good things that we just have to figure out which of these good things have to come first and which have to be the priority. And I hate to bust your bubble this morning, but the majority of your kids are not going to play in the major leagues or win a gold medal in the Olympics. It's just not going to happen. But they are definitely going to spend an eternity somewhere, without a doubt. They're going to spend an eternity somewhere. And it's, you know, why would we sacrifice spiritual things on the altar of things that are only temporary? And as a youth pastor, I saw it time and time and time again. And it was so frustrating. And it's not only, it's not only frustrating, it is so very sad. Daniel comes in my office now. And, you know, I was in youth ministry 16 years. Daniel comes to my office and it's the same stuff. Right? I mean, the same stuff that he's dealing with today, and, and, he, and you get so frustrated, right? And, and we've seen it time and time again. Uh, you know, you'll have a, a family that, that'll be having trouble with a kid, and the punishment for that kid is they got to go see the youth pastor, right? I mean, seriously, parents use that for punishment. Oh, you got to go talk to Brother Steve, or you got to go talk to Brother Daniel. Right? So they bring these kids in, and you may have seen these kids two or three times in the last two or three months. Right? And the parents now want you to fix their child. It's too late. It's too late. Right? 
it, you, you should have made that a priority before they started going down the wrong path. Or when you saw they were going down the wrong path, say, well, wait a minute, we're changing our priorities in this house, right? And, and, and so it's sad. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it's also sad to, to see uh, parents who are more concerned about where their kid's going to go to college than where whether their kid's going to go to heaven or hell. What good is it if your child scores the highest on the ACT? What good is it if your, your son or your daughter becomes leading men and women in Sodom and they lose their souls? And again, it's not that these things are bad, right? It's just that we find ourselves in the situation that Abraham is, and we have to decide between the good things, which is the most good, and which is the most important. And it's just, you know, that God should always get the priority in all things, right? Y'all are awful quiet. I warned you up front. I'm grabbing that ear today. I don't like it any more than you like it, but sometimes we've just got to hear it. Lot's primary concern in where and what he pursued was based on where he could make the most money. His decisions were based off where he could make the most money. Somebody needs to let that speak to them. And it didn't turn out so well for him and his family, and it hardly ever does in the end. The second thing is this. Lot prioritized self-interest over generosity. Lot chose what? He chose what was best for him, didn't he? He chose what was best for him. Even though in this case, you, you know, he, he actually had to do his uncle kind of dirty to, to do it. You know, Abraham should have clearly been given the choice. Uh, you know, the, the better choice. It's obvious here that, that Lot doesn't have a generous heart. Uh, he's thinking about the prosperity of, of one person in the choices that he makes. You know, Lot was more concerned about himself than he was others, and it led to the downfall of him and his family. I, 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 I almost I pictured this. I did. I kid you not. I, I, I pictured Lot, you know, choosing the valley, this luscious green valley, and, and how awesome it was. And I could, I, I could see him just strolling down into the valley, singing the song. I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. Huh? Can you? Some of y'all don't know what that song is, and you're better for it. But Lot's focus was on who? Me, I. His priority was what he could get, what he could do, what he could accumulate, who he could influence. All right, I'm going to get off Lot. Enough on him. We beat him up. Let's look at Abraham. Because by contrast, Abraham prioritized the kingdom of God. Right? His question, Abraham's question wasn't, you know, where is the best land? Where, where can I make the most money? You know, his question wasn't that, but instead it was this. God, where would you have me to go? Oh, what a concept. God, where would you have me to live? Where would you have me to go? How, how would you want to use me regardless of where it is that we end up? And don't miss this. In verse 3 and 4, we say, see that the first thing that he did when he entered into that new land was he built an altar. right? He built an altar and he asked God, what do you want me to do? right? What do you want me to do? What do you want, God? Abraham thought about God first. right? 
and, and foremost in every decision that he made. It was all about, God, how, how would you do this? How do you want me to do this? Where do you want me to go? And we see that, that not only in how he makes his decisions, but you see it in what he does with the blessings. When God blesses him, you can see it in what he does with those blessings. When God gives him victories, you can see it through what Abraham does with those victories. I'll give you an example over in the next chapter, and we're not going to read it, but you're going to see that Lot, the little nephew, right, he, ended up, he ends up getting captured by these kings in Sodom. Okay, and so he's been captured, and so Abraham's like, well, you know, got to go bail him out again. Some of you parents understand this. Got to go bail him out again. And so he begins to come up with a plan to mount this rescue operation to go in and get Lot out. And against incredible odds, uh, he does. He defeats the kings. You know, he, he wins this victory over them. And in the process, he ends up with all their stuff, right? They call it the spoils of war. And so he ends up with the riches of these kings after he defeats them. And so Abraham becomes even more wealthy now than he was before he went to bail you know, Lot out of this mess. And don't miss the first thing that he did when he figured out he had accumulated all this stuff. This would have been a great opportunity to preach on tithing this morning, but I won't. All right? For those of you that keep record, I preach on tithing about three times a year. Today is not one of them, but this would be a great opportunity. All right, because the first thing that Abraham does when he receives the spoils of war is he takes 10% of that and he gives it back to God. Huh? Because he understands where it came from and whose it was. And God had said, you're to, you're to tithe on that. You're to give 10%. And so you can read the story. He found a... Uh, priest of God that he gave it to not only don't miss this not only was God's uh, uh, you know God Abraham's first thought in making decisions but he was the first place that Abraham turned to with the victory to say thank you thank you for the blessing and, and so because Abraham understood that all of his blessings don't miss this all of our blessings scripture says all good things come from where all good things come from above and Abraham got that. And so everything that he saw, every blessing that he saw, he saw it as, as, as God gave him that. God blessed him with that. God gave me this victory. And so that's how he looked at everything. Everything was from God, and, and, and these blessings and victories are from God. And God should get the first fruits of everything that Abraham had been blessed with. Blessed to be a blessing. All right, And then the second thing is this. Abraham prioritized generosity over self-interest. Right, don't miss this. Abraham thought about himself third. Right? In this story that we're looking at, Abraham thought about himself third. It was God first, the little spoiled brat nephew Lot second, and Abraham third. He put himself last in this situation here. And because of that, guess who thought about the needs that Abraham had? God. God did. There's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. I've done some series and some studies out of there. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 tells us this. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to God, lends to the Lord. And he, the Lord, will repay him for his deed. All right, when we loan somebody money or 
we help somebody out, we're always kind of like, when are they going to pay me back? What am I going to get in return for, for this? But don't miss this. God's Word says giving to the needy, being generous, taking those blessings and channeling those blessings through us to others, right? Is like a loan that is made to God, and He will pay you back. Don't miss that. When you're being generous, when you're helping the needy, when you're taking those blessings that He's given you, and you're being a blessing to someone else by using those blessings, it's like loaning those blessings to God. And oh, by the way, God's Word says that He will pay you back. And I believe that that's why this church has been so blessed over so many years, right? Because this, this church has always been so generous. It's in your DNA. When I came here 20-something years ago, it, it was going on then. You hear the stories from the past long before any of us were even alive. This church was always a generous church that was looking for ways to help other people, to put others first, not ourselves first. I, I remember a time to where, you know, we were just, some of you are familiar with budgets, but we, for, for every dollar that comes in here, we pay a percentage towards budgets to help with world missions and pensions and benefits and, and our education system at Nazarene schools and all that. And I remember a time when this church was just barely able to pay their budgets each and every year, but yet they were given extra money to the district because there were other churches in this state that couldn't afford to pay their preacher. And so this group of people right here was giving extra money every single year so that some of these little churches could have a pastor and he would get paid for what he was doing. And we've seen it time and time again. Many of you were here when we helped plant the Cowboy Church over at El Paso, now one of the largest, fastest-growing Nazarene churches in North America, right? And you were generous enough to say, you know what, we'll pay, we'll pay their mortgage for the first 12 months just so they can get on their feet and get established and not have to worry about this huge debt of the building and the land that they had to have in order to do that. That is, that is loaning money to God and Him paying us back, right? And we have seen it time and time and time again in this church. That is exactly what He has done. And as long as we continue to put other people first and we continue to be generous with what He has given us, He's going to keep paying us back. He will keep on. And so God's Word brings us to this question today about our blessings and not just talking about the church specifically here, but it's this. Do you think of yourself as an owner or as a steward of, your, of his blessings? Do you, do you think of yourself as the owner of these blessings or do you think of yourself as the steward of these, because when you get that nailed down, it's definitely going to determine how you view your blessings and what you do with them. God had told Abraham that he was going to bless him to be a blessing. God had told him that, so Abraham was looking. <laughs> How's he going to take this and use this? How's he going to take this and multiply this and use it over here? How's he going to do it? Abraham's looking at everything that comes along now, because he's thinking, I'm a steward of these blessings, you know. And Abraham's excited about it. 
Because God is multiplying and doing incredible things. And so when Abraham received any blessing, his first reaction was to consider how that might be a blessing to others. Right? Even when it came time to choose where he was going to live. Even when it, when it, it came time to make the decision of, of where he was going to set up his family and live, he gave the first and he gave the best choice to someone else. He gave it to Lot. And Lot, of course, he, he was the opposite, right? He thought of himself first. And so this morning, I think we have to ask ourselves, of these two men that we've seen this morning, which one of them right now best represents your life? Of these two this morning, where you're at right now, which of these two best represent how you're living your life right now? Are you a channel of blessings or are you a reservoir? Because there's a difference. Are you a channel of blessings or are you a reservoir of blessings? Do you think of yourself as an owner of your blessings or as a steward of your blessings? And listen, according to Scripture... God has blessed us not just so that it would enrich our lives, but also that it would enrich the lives of others and be a blessing to them. And if we're not doing that, just to put it bluntly, let's call it what it is, stealing. Because we're embezzling God's blessings that He's given to us that were actually intended for someone else. That's called embezzlement, right? And so if we're holding on to something that was supposed to go to somebody else, then that ain't right. That is not what he intended. And think about it. Lot, Lot chose the money first. He, he, he chose the money first, and because of that, he eventually lost all of it. He made the great financial decision, and it ended up costing him everything and his family. Abraham put God first. Abraham put others first. God increased what Abraham had, and he blessed the entire world in the process. We've all have received the blessings that came through Abraham. Because, oh, by the way, Jesus Christ was a descendant of Abraham. And through him, we have salvation. And, and this is, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that everybody hears me right. And, and I mentioned this last week. This isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not standing here preaching that God's going to make you rich by doing these things. Although... Like we said, God chooses to bless certain people in, in some ways. And I believe people that, that he trusts, that proves they can be trusted with you know, financial and material uh, blessings, I believe he blesses them because he knows they're going to be a channel of that. Right? But, but I, this isn't a prosperity gospel that God's going to make you rich. But we saw last week that what he does is, is he multiplies these things. He multiplies the harvest of your righteousness. That's where you are rich. 
is in the righteousness that you have. And like we talked about last week, that word righteousness just literally means our rightness with God. That's the harvest that we reap from what we sow. Which means this, He will enrich your life, don't miss this, in an eternal, significant way. All right, In an inter- eternal way. He will enrich, enrich you. And folks, that, that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters. You know, we, we, we put so many things up there so high on the priority list that you ain't taking with you when you get in the casket. Right? All that really matters is eternity and where you're going to spend it and where your kids are going to spend it, where your friends are going to spend it and your family's going to spend it. And don't miss this, the reason that Abraham could do all this, the reason Abraham could make the right choices and do the right things, it was because of this. He trusted God. He trusted Him. God had made him a promise. And Abraham knew that God would keep his promise and that he was faithful. And the question for all of us today is this, do we trust God? That's the real question. Is do we trust God? Do we trust God with everything? See, we trust Him with our Sunday mornings. It's easy to trust Him from 10.30 to 11.30. Right? But do we trust Him with everything? Uh, you know, are we willing to put it all on the table? Do you trust God with your marriage? Do you trust Him with your marriage? Do you, do you trust Him with your finances? Do, do you trust Him with your future? Will you trust Him with your children? Do, do you trust Him... With your pain. You know, because when you put all of that on the table, when you say, God, I trust you with all of it, I'm all in. Some of you poker players, you know what I'm talking about. When you go all in, he will blow your mind with what he does with that. Right? He will blow your mind with what he does. When you give him... These things that you've been holding back. See, you, 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 a, lot, a lot of us, we like to be a reservoir, right? Because we like to enjoy it. But God said, oh, it's so much better if you just learn to let it go and become a channel of those blessings. And then it's just, you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine what it's like to be a channel instead of a reservoir. Folks, Abraham is taught us a difficult lesson this morning, but I believe it's one that uh, the Holy Spirit would say we all need to slow down on our journey sometimes and step back and take a look if we're really where we need to be and make some decisions like I said, between things that are good it's not good and bad, it's good and good, but which is the most good and which should be the priority God has blessed you be a blessing this morning we want to uh, before we go just spend some time in prayer and open these altars to you I invite you to come maybe God spoke to you about something laid something on your heart during this message this morning you would just like to come pray about that maybe there's somebody here this morning if you've never accepted Christ not only have you not gone all in but you've never uh, just really stepped out in faith and say you know I believe this I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God that he died on the cross for my sins. And three days later, you know, he was dead and buried. But three days later, he arose from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of his Father on your behalf. Intercessory for you. 
And you just want to accept that. You want to accept that forgiveness and what Jesus did for you on that cross. This morning would be a great time to do that. Come and take that first step of faith. Kneel at this altar. and Maybe this morning uh, you just like to come pray. I mean, we close every service out with a time of prayer. And so we, we want to give you an opportunity to come pray. Maybe about a situation going on in your family. Maybe a health issue. Maybe it's with a kid, a parent. Maybe it's just a situation you just want to bring to God this morning. I invite you to come. We're going to close in prayer together. Some like to come pray over this prayer chest. Uh, this chest filled with names of people that we've been praying would come to know God. And so we've been praying over that for a long, long time. And there's some, there's some names in there that uh, God's answered that prayer. So if you want to come this morning, please come now as we join together in prayer. we love you this morning and we thank you for your word we talk a lot about we sing about that you're a good good father and sometimes a good father just has to uh, some way somehow get the attention of his kids and it's never a pleasant experience and it's never something we enjoy going through or hearing but it's necessary God, I trust this morning. I know without a doubt that you have taken this today and you've spoken to some hearts about some situations, about some things that are going on that uh, you want us to change the priority of. I can't even begin to guess what it is that you're speaking across this room today, but I know that you are because I know your word does not return unto you void. And so today I pray what you'll find is some children that are gathered here today that made eye contact with you and heard exactly what it is that you wanted to speak into our lives or speak into our families, what you wanted to speak into our church. God, we heard it loud and clear, but your word is also clear that we're not just to be hearers, but we're also to be doers. But we also have a problem with that because none of us can do this. None of of us can do this on our own. Abraham couldn't make these decisions and do all the right things on his own either. We need your help. Abraham sought your help. God, we're blessed to have the Holy Spirit that you promised us. Not only does your Holy Spirit convict, not only does your Holy Spirit make us uncomfortable, but you gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would have the help that we needed to be able to do the things you've asked us to do and the things that you called us to do. And so we thank you for the help, and we need the help. We want the help. There are some folks here today that just need to open their arms and receive the help and the hope that you've promised God, I pray for the families that are here today that are going through difficult situations. and they, they just, Folks I talk to sometimes are just at their wits' end. 
But God, sometimes that's where you need for us to be in order to get our eyes on you and to understand the work that you want to do in and through our situations. And again, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always painless. But God, everything about it is to bring glory to who you are. And so I pray that you'd help us stay focused on those things, the things that are good. I pray for those in our church today that are going through, have physical needs. So many are battling cancer. You know, so many are going through chemo treatments and radiation treatments. And, and they're going through stuff that some of us, we, we can't even imagine. Others have gone through it and understand it. But God, I just pray that you'd be with them today. That you would draw them close. You would be their constant companion, their help. A source of strength to make it through what they go through each and every day. And God, again, I want to pray for our churches in the, the community around us. We're, we're blessed to live in a Christian community here in the Bible Belt. So many churches, so many great congregations, and we understand we're not, we're not the only ones doing your work here, and for that we're blessed. And I pray that you move upon those, the other churches that are gathered here today. Uh, in your name as well, just like us. I pray that all of us would allow you to work not just through us, but in us and through us. We'd all be channels. We'd all be faithful and obedient to building your kingdom that you called us to do. And so I pray that you'd bless those churches and the work that they're doing. Give them fruit for their labor and their faithfulness to you. God, now as we go out from this place, man, it, it, it's so easy to so easy to talk about these things and to make promises and make commitments to you here in this building where it's safe. But once we go out there, it's it, it's so much more difficult. So thank you for the reminder today that your Holy Spirit's going to go with us. Your Holy Spirit's going to help us, and we're going to be all right because our Daddy is there with us as well leading, guiding, and helping. And so, God, thank you so much for loving us enough to do that and allowing us the opportunity to be children of God. And we'll be careful to give you the rightful praise and the glory that you deserve. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.